0: Would you join me in prayer this morning, Father? We thank you that you love us and uh, that, Father, not only have you, uh, not only are you our Creator, but you are the one whose hand is still on our world and our existence and our life and history. And uh, Father, we thank you that you have personally engaged yourself in history. But we also thank you for us that have lived thousands of years after those events that uh, you preserved an inspired written record of your activity. And I pray that you would continue this Sunday to give us eyes uh, to see what your story is. Father, I pray that we would understand where our story fits into your story. And that, Father, you would use it all for your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, The story of the Bible is obviously God's story. But it is a story that is primarily made up of how God uh, was involved in people's lives. The Bible is a story about people's stories of how they engaged with God. Uh, This morning we come to one of those people and his name is Samuel. Samuel is a prophet. I hope as we do these series of sermons this year that you begin to see (laughs) some things in sequence in history. and I, I want you to see this morning that Samuel the prophet is a transitional leader between the judges and the kings. And I, I don't know if you've been here for previous sermons or whether in your, your mind you have that kind of framework, historical framework, chronology in your mind. But Samuel is right in between the judges, which were a certain kind of leader among God's people, and the kings, which were another kind of leadership that God provided but he is transitional some would say that he is the last of the judges but it's clear that he is the first to hold the clearly defined position as prophet. he's not a king (laughs) he's the one who appoints and anoints kings so Samuel is a transitional leader between the Judges, which is about 300 years of history, and the Kings, which will be several more hundred years after this. He is a spiritual leader. Um, I began to think about this. I, I think we have to think in terms of the kinds of leaders that God has raised and He raises up. And I got to thinking about these terms and Uh, about realms of leadership, areas of leadership, the kinds of leaders that we have. and um, I need you to think this, and this is on your sheet if that helps you, but there are political leaders, there are judicial leaders, uh, there are military leaders, and there are spiritual leaders. I need you to think in those kind of four realms today to help us understand what it was that God was doing in Samuel's day. A political leader has power over the organization of a probably a large group of people. A judicial leader would be a leader that has power over the legal aspects. A military leader would obviously be a leader that has power over uh, war and armies and those kind of things. Spiritual leader has power over the spiritual realm. Now, if we talk about Samuel being between the judges and the kings, a transitional spiritual leader, uh, let, let's think about the judges. And that was two Sundays ago. The The judges were... Uh, a loosely defined leaders that God raised up, and sometimes they were different aspects of this. Generally, the judges were military leaders that had power in that realm, and they delivered the children of Israel from their enemies in a military sense. Some of them were spiritual in that, and it would say that of Samson and I think Jephthah, and it seemed like one other one, that the Spirit of God came upon that person and they, they did this, and many times it was military. There is a sense, at least for Deborah, that she was judicial in her leadership, um, and probably none of them in this great sense of being a political leader, because the 12 tribes of Israel were a loose confederacy at that time, That didn't have a lot of political structure. Hmm. Now, just, we're going to talk about Samuel, but if we fast forward the story to the time of the judges, I'm I'm sorry, the kings, the kings become political leaders primarily that have control over the judicial, the military, and hopefully the spiritual. Now, I don't know. I don't know if any any of this is helping you, Um, but there is a transition here. What I want you to see today, that the transitional figure, Samuel, as the prophet, fits that fourth category. He is a spiritual leader. But here's the key. As a spiritual leader, he has influence and control over all the other realms, the political, the judicial, and the military. Uh, The prophets, and Samuel being the first of those, were spiritual leaders through whom God spoke. God not only spoke to them, but more importantly, God spoke through them. They were the spokesmen of God. God spoke to them and they delivered, hopefully faithfully, the message that God had given them. Hmm. Um, if we think back to the time of Moses, it's interesting, I don't have time to kind of delve into this thought, but Moses was huh, all of these realms of leadership Moses was political in his organization, judicial in dealing with the law. He was military, but he was also a spiritual leader. And to say that Samuel is the first of the prophets, is uh, we also need to acknowledge that there was prophetic activity before Samuel. But if you're talking about a well-defined position or office, Samuel is the first one that holds that. He is known as the prophet, the spiritual leader over all the people. And to say he's a spiritual leader means that he influences the other, but he's not the king, he's not the judge. He is the prophet of God, whom God speaks to and through. It is interesting, if we went back to the, to the time of, of Moses, when Moses says to God at the burning bush, I am not eloquent of, of speech, I cannot do what you want me to do. He says, well, your brother Aaron will be your spokesman. And it is interesting, in Exodus 7-1, God says to Moses, you will be like God and Aaron will be your prophet. He will speak for you. I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of an interesting thought. Moses, just like I am God and I speak to the prophet, to the people, Moses, you will be like God, Aaron will be your prophet and he will be your spokesman. Aaron did not decide what he would say to Pharaoh. (laughs) Moses told Aaron what he would then say to Pharaoh. Does that make sense? There was a chain, a sequence there. The other interesting aspect about the prophets is there is a connection in the Scripture that the prophets were empowered By the Spirit of God. The Spirit. That's why they are spiritual leaders, because their power is not political, primarily. It is not judicial. It is not military. It is a spiritual power because God is spirit, and he deals with us in the spiritual realm. There is this interesting story in Numbers chapter 11, and I promise you we will get to Samuel. But I want you to lay this groundwork so you understand what God is doing through Samuel, where it fits in the story. This story in Numbers 11 of the time of Moses, that Moses begins to play, to, to complain to God and say, The task that you have given me in dealing with these people is too much. I said it in that tone of voice. I don't, I don't know that, Moses. It was probably more of a whine, like, God, I don't really think I can't do this anymore. God says, okay. He said, this is what I want you to do. And this is, you can read this in Numbers chapter 11. God said, I want you to select 70 men. In fact, this is where the Sanhedrin comes from. Oof, don't have time for that this morning either. 70 men. And God says to Moses, I want you to bring them with you to the tabernacle. Now normally, Moses went to the tabernacle and he dealt with God. This day, God says, bring those 70 to the tabernacle and we're going to have a little come-to-Jesus time. And what, what it records in Numbers 11 is that when they got to that place, the Spirit of God came upon them, the 70, Well, actually, there's a little side note. There was just 68 of them there. I'll tell you that in just a minute. But all the men that were part of that list, the Spirit of God comes upon them, and the Scripture says, and they prophesied that day. Then a little historical note, and they never did that again. (laughs) They did it that day. The Spirit of God came upon them in the tabernacle. And uh, there's this messenger that comes to Moses and says, hey, man, these guys are like, I think their names are like El Dad and Me Dad. I don't. I, I'm, I'm not making this up. Check me. I'm pretty sure El Dad and Me Dad. I mean, if you had twins, boys, I wouldn't name them El Dad and Me Dad. But anyhow, <laughs> but this goes. Hey, there's two guys in the camp and they're prophesying. What do we do about that? And. Moses explains that those were part of the 70, but they hadn't made it to the tabernacle, but God's Spirit fell upon them and they prophesied. And Moses makes this statement. He said, oh, that all of God's people were his prophets and he would pour out his Spirit on all of them. They they prophesied because the Spirit came upon them. And so in the Scripture, there is this connection between The Spirit of God and the prophets. The prophets were the spiritual leaders that God had anointed by His Spirit to speak the words of God. Now, we're looking big picture here. And so sometimes in my sermon preparation, I go, why? Why is there a Samuel... And why is it in the years after Samuel, there's other prophets, there's spiritual leaders, not the king, not the priest. No, there is this guy, and sometimes there are prophetesses, but there is this prophet that is this spiritual spokesman for God. Why would God have that in his scheme of leadership among his people? And we're going to see this as the story unfolds. I mean, we're going to come to, um, you've got Samuel. I'm trying to think in order here. Nathan is the prophet in David's day. The prophet supersedes the king. Do you know how we know that? Because when David sins with Bathsheba, God sends the spokesman. Who trumps the king? The prophet of God. He speaks for God. And particularly when the king is not being who he needs to be as the spiritual leader. Nathan, we're going to see Elijah, Elisha. Uh, (laughs) Those are what are called the uh, former prophets. They do not write books. And then we will see later the latter prophets, the writing prophets. Yeah, anyhow... We're going to get to those. And they're all going to fit in the historical record of the historical books in the Old Testament. And we see those, the major prophets, the major writing prophets, the latter prophets who are the writing prophets, uh, become Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. And then you have the, the 12 minor prophets. I was, I was working on this. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. I may have missed some of those. I don't know. I think there's, there, I know there's 12 of them. I may have said Zechariah twice or something. I don't know. Zephaniah, <laughs> Zechariah. And they are the writing prophets. But all through the history, there is a prophet that speaks for God and you say, Why? Even once, God, you set up the kingdom and there's a king and there's a military commander and there's priest over the, the judicial, the legal part of it. Why? Here it is. Because God's people are not like the other nations of the world. They are a spiritual kingdom. You cannot condense down the people of God to its politics its its legal system and its military that's what all the other nations of the world are uh-uh no you are my people and more than anything else you are there has to be a spiritual dynamic to my people It's not just about military, it's not just about legal, it's not about a political situation. There is something, there is a dimension, there is a dynamic that trumps all of that. In fact, if that does not work, the rest of it doesn't work, you are a spiritual people. And that's why God sets up the prophet above all else. He is the one whom God not only speaks to, but through to the people. The spiritual dynamic is essential and controls all other areas. Samuel is the first. Incredible story. Hannah Joy from 1st Samuel chapter 1. Samuel has a spiritual heritage Hmm. his mama's name is Hannah and what strikes me as you read the story starting in first Samuel 1 is in a day that was devoid of spiritual dynamic God raises up a spiritual leader and he does it through a godly mother Who talked to God one of the themes of Samuel's life is prayer and I would contend today the reason God spoke to Samuel is because Samuel spoke to God if you want to hear the voice of God be still and talk to God and allow him to speak to you in your heart samuel's mother Hannah uh, was barren had not had any children and she goes and you know probably know the story that she goes to the temple I'm sorry to the tabernacle where Eli is the priest and uh, she begins to pray Eli does not understand what she's doing um, But in time, assures her that God will hear her prayers, her fervent prayers, and will give him a child. And Hannah makes a promise that if God will give her a child, that she will give that child to God. Now, I always joke about this story, particularly at the end of a service when I say, Please pick up your children. That was a one-time deal. Do not drop off your kids at the church and say, I promised God that I would give this child. Now we want you to raise him. No, uh uh-uh, we're not raising your kids. Take your kids home. (laughs) Don't pull a Samuel on us. I'm joking, sort of. Not really. Uh, But after Samuel is weaned, she takes that little boy and he becomes servant in the tabernacle in a day under Eli the priest's ministry that was devoid of spiritual dynamic here comes this boy little boy uh, with a spiritual heritage but did not yet know God I want to read the incredible story of his calling of when God began to speak to him in first Samuel chapter 3 really our, our scriptures today fall from Samuel 1 to Samuel 8 and I'm going to read uh, sec- three different sections but I, I want to read this story in, in length because it is so significant um, it says now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days there was no widespread revelation I want you to get the picture today under Eli's priesthood that they are doing the sacrifices. I guess they're teaching the law. They are practicing religion and the ritual, all of the religious practices, but it is devoid of spiritual dynamic. God was not there. He did not speak. He did not make himself known. And in the midst of that, he makes himself known to a little boy whose heart was attuned to him. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down that the Lord, all caps, that's Yahweh, the covenant God, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered and said, Here am I. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he, Eli, said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Verse 7, parenthetical statement. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Samuel is a little boy, and maybe he's a teenager by this time, a young boy. He did not recognize the voice of God yet. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Despite Eli's heart that was not right with God in his mind, he knew at least logically that it must be God who was calling this little boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Which is a statement of submission. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak. For your servant hears. It was a statement of submission to say, Whatever it is that you have to say, I will hear it. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli All that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever." That's what God told Samuel. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Significant statement. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Hmm. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. And here is the turning point of Samuel's life. Then Samuel told him everything. Think about this. The little boy who's the servant to the priest and God sends word to him and says I'm about to take him out and the priest says I know that God spoke to you what did he say Samuel becomes a prophet of God that day because he was obedient to tell the priest what God had told him the prophet is the one that God speaks to and through and is obedient to say what God has said. Do you understand the irony of the story? Why didn't God speak himself to Eli? Because Eli's heart was not right with God, and his ears could no longer hear God. God was simply looking for someone who would hear him, who would be obedient to speak what he said. Eli was over all the sacrifices, all the ritual, all of the practices, and God said it doesn't matter how many animals you sacrifice, your iniquity will not be atoned for, because there is another dynamic, there is another dimension here, it is a spiritual dimension. Samuel becomes the prophet of God through whom God speaks then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him and he said it is the Lord this is Eli let him do what seems good to him and then this you see several of these summary statements in these verses but in verse 19 and following so Samuel grew And the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, uh, that's the northern city and the southern city, Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh, By the word of the Lord. Hmm. What an amazing story. The little boy becomes the man of God. And God speaks to him. And God speaks through him. Um, In chapter 7 of 1 Samuel. Samuel speaks to the people. And I want you to see what he does. And this is a time in which they are in conflict with the Philistines. The Philistines have actually defeated their armies. Eli and his sons have died and the army has been defeated. And they have captured the Ark of the Covenant. This is that story. What do you do when you're afraid the enemy's going to get you? Well, you get the Ark of the Covenant because it's like the symbol of God's presence. And we're going to tote the Ark out there and they'll never defeat us. Oh, they did, and they captured the ark. Now, there's some stories in there of what happens to the Philistines. Don't mess with God. Um, and finally, they get the ark back, and Samuel, in chapter 7, verse 3, has a come-to-Jesus time. The prophets. says in verse 3, Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts... Then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks, the male and the female pagan gods, Baal and Asterisks, from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the asterisks and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, And I will pray to the Lord for you. Do you see the ministry of prayer there once again in Samuel's life? So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. If you want to know what that means, I don't know. And they fasted that day and said there... It is some statement of sacrifice to God. They poured out water. And they fasted that day and said there we have sinned against the Lord and Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah." The prophet of God calls the people back into a covenant relationship with him that he is to be your God. You are not to serve these other gods. You are to serve him only. Your heart is to be only for him. You have an exclusive relationship with Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You have a covenant with him. I want you to see that I read this scripture so that you will know this is the message of the prophets. The prophets always called God's people back into a covenant relationship with Him when their hearts began to stray. The message was simple, return to the Lord, He is your God, do not worship anything else. Many times we think the prophets are the ones who tell the future. By and large, throughout the Bible, the prophets are the ones who speak to the people in terms of today now there is prophecy about the future and we will get to that in the story but by and large the prophets speak to their day and their message is this same message return to god your hearts have gotten away The spiritual leader comes in the midst in which their hearts have drifted from God and he calls them back into that covenant relationship that you would love God with all your hearts, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That is the role of the prophet. At the end of chapter 7, there is one of these summary statements of what Samuel did as the prophet. It says in verse 15, And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. So see, they're still using that term judged. So he is the bridge. He is the transition from the time of the judges to the kings, which we're about to get to. And he went from year to year on a circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all those places. But he always returned to Ramah, for his home was there. There he judged Israel, and there he built an altar to the Lord, um, not only do I want you to see the chronology of the Bible, I want you to get a sense of the geography of the Bible, Peyton can we show the, the map, I know y'all love this, I know you don't let on like you love my maps, but I know you love my maps, and I know you probably can't even see this map, there's, there's a point I need to make here, uh, right in the central part, in the, in the tribe of Ephraim, and down into Benjamin are these towns where Samuel not only lived, but did a circuit that he went from year to year. He did a circuit Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, and he lived in Ramah. Now, I don't know. I don't. I want you to memorize some towns. I don't know that you will. Uh, you ought to. I don't know, we ought to be... My. You ought to study your maps in the back of your Bible. That's the reason they put them there. That's your assignment this afternoon instead of taking a nap. Look at that map. When you read a story in the Old Testament, go, I wonder where Ramah is. And actually, it's not even on this map. Okay, but that's not, the, that's not the point. I didn't put it on the map because I didn't want to give you the answers to the test. Come back next week. The point is, it's a small area in the central part of the land from Dan to Beersheba that Samuel circulates in. Shiloh is where the tabernacle is. Uh, it's, it's kind of like Angelina County. And it's like he lived in Zavala, but he went to Huntington, Lufkin, and Dybal in a circuit. Just trying to make this real I don't know it was a small it was They were only miles apart it wasn't far one of the things it reminds me of is is his ministry was at the very core the very center of God's people there is something else that is developing here that I need you to make a mental note of the tribe of Ephraim becomes the predominant leader Of the twelve tribes Ephraim and Manasseh are the sons of Joseph and they become tribes Manasseh is the older but Israel blesses Ephraim the younger uh, the end of Genesis and Ephraim becomes one of the dominant tribes the other reason is Joshua who led them to conquer the land was from Ephraim Samuel is from Ephraim. Now, you see in your notes that he is a Levite because the Levites were given cities throughout the promised land. But he is a Levite who lives within the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim comes to a place of leadership in these days because of Joshua and Samuel. And... It'll, it will be something that will play out. It will be several weeks before we get to it. Uh, but make a mental note that Samuel is a Levite from the tribe of Ephraim. Uh, let me read one other scripture in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 8. This is at the end of Samuel's life When they begin to think about where are we going from here? Who is going to take over when the old man Samuel dies? And it says in verse 4, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, (laughs) the hometown of Samuel. We know where that is. I can see it in my brain right there in the central part. And said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. They are not spiritual men. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. Notice the ministry of prayer again. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them time out note that God's intention was that he would be their king their ruler their priest their prophet that God would be their leader the the technical term would God's plan for Israel is that they would be a theocracy God, and then rule. They were to be God-ruled. And through the judges and others, God raised up leaders to be his representative to rule them. But they said, we do not like this arrangement. And Samuel took it personally that you have rejected me. But God said, no, they have rejected me from being king over them. They wanted a political, judicial, military leader Like all the other nations. We just want to be like everybody else. Verse 8. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me, and served other gods so they are doing to you also now therefore heed their voice however you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them and joshua does that you just need to know if you have a king this is the way he's going to behave because you've substituted god ruling over you for a man ruling over you and then at the end of chapter 8 Verse 19, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Hmm. Political, judicial, military leader. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord, So the Lord said to Samuel heed their voice and make them a king and Samuel said to the men of Israel every man go to his city. Next week they will select, Samuel will select a king. Please understand that God designed us as his people, to be ruled by him. That is his design for our life. If you have been chosen as a child of God, the reality is, is you are not like other people. It's just like Israel was not like the other nations. You say, we want to do just what everybody else is doing. I want you to know there is a difference. If you are a child of God, And he has chosen you. And the difference is there is a spiritual dynamic to your life that is different than the people that you live around that aren't followers of Christ. You cannot live your life like everyone else lives their life because you are different. You've been chosen. And it is the spiritual dynamic that is the difference. You cannot condense it down to, well, everybody in my life They do this with their money and they do this and this is how they raise their kids and this is how they make choices and this is what they do for jobs and and this is how they do it. It doesn't work because there is a dimension that trumps all those other dimensions and it is the spiritual because God has put His Spirit inside of you. I want you to know that you cannot condense down your faith to religious practices and rules. There must be a spiritual dynamic to your faith. In Samuel's day, Eli practiced religion with the people and God was not there. God was not in it. And that's the reason he brings the prophet that the Spirit of God has come upon. And I think many times in our Christian life, and maybe the longer we've been saved, somehow we begin to condense it down to certain religious practices of going to church, the routine of prayer, reading our Bible, certain rules that we live by. And there's something missing because there will always have to be a spiritual dynamic to our faith when we fast forward the story Jesus came he died on the cross he was raised from the dead 40 days later he ascends to the Father 10 days later remember what happened? God sends down his spirit he pours out is the phrase do you know who he poured out his spirit on the prophets the priests the preachers the Apostles (laughs) no he poured out his spirit on all flesh if you are a child of God God has given you his spirit I'm not saying there aren't prophets today But I'm saying God's Spirit resides in you. And your faith cannot be condensed down to religious practices and rules that you live by. There must be a spiritual dynamic just as God sent the message through the centuries, through the prophets. At times when their hearts had drifted away from Him. And so Jesus goes to the Father. He sends the Spirit So that the spirit can control every area of our lives. The spiritual dynamic trumps everything else. And everything else only works if there is a spiritual dimension. God's Spirit dwells inside of you if you're a child of God. The child of God is to hear from God and to speak for God. And it is through the Spirit that He tells us (laughs) in line with His Word, brings us back into a covenant relationship with Him that lines up everything else in our life. I would say to you, you go, wow. Preacher, so what if I am honest today and I just say, well, I, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm afraid. I've just I've condensed down my faith to things that I do and rules I try to follow. If you want God to speak to you, speak to God and I would it's it's a simple answer it's the only answer I have you've got to set your heart before God and say God would you speak to me and through your word would you bring spiritual life to my spiritual life amen, amen. if you would stand with me this morning father today We pray as we set our hearts before You, that Father, You would speak to us and that Your Spirit would come upon us and move in us and that You would bring us breath and life anew as we surrender our whole beings to You. So Father, in this time I pray. That we would give ourselves to you and I pray it in Jesus name.